May I speak in the name of our living and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If I were to ask you the question, why does the church exist? I wonder what your answer would be. If anyone's brave enough to shout out a response, that would be great, but don't feel under any pressure to do so. No takers? I would, however, like you all to come up with a sentence or two in your own mind that would be your answer. So why does the church exist? In thinking about this sermon, I had the advantage of some time to reflect on my own response and came up with a few statements as follows. First and foremost, the church exists to worship the God who created us and in whose image we are made through serving others and caring for our world. The church is the body of Christ in the world, making his love known through our words, through our deeds, and through our very presence. The church makes the kingdom of God known to others and helps people to encounter the living God. Your own responses may well be similar to my own reflections about why the church exists. Hardly surprising because we are all part of the Christian community. In other words, part of the church. We work with a particular frame of reference. We see the world through the lens of faith and theology. So to some extent at least we have a shared understanding of what the church should be like and why the church exists. But that is not true for everyone. For many people outside the church, and I'm thinking this morning particularly about those who regard themselves as non-religious, the question, why does the church exist, might well exist for them in a more barbed way. The question could be expressed more along the lines of, what's the point of the church? There are lots of people for whom the church has no relevance. It is for them an outdated institution with nothing to offer in the world of the 21st century. But before we judge such outsiders to the church too harshly, it's worth stopping to consider just what it is that people looking in on the church from the outside actually see. For some people, churches are places where strange ceremonies and traditions are carried out by people wearing funny clothes. Church buildings are often quite alien to people, very different from public spaces they are used to visiting, and sometimes seem quite intimidating. Those of us familiar with churches can forget so easily just how strange both the place and practices must must seem to those with no church experience. We should never underestimate how daunting it feels for some people to enter a church. All of those things can be overcome as people get to know us and learn about the meanings behind what takes place in church, as they discover more about Christian faith and practice. We can also do much to make our churches open, hospitable and welcoming to those who might never have set foot inside one before. That need to draw people who are strangers to the church into an encounter with the sacred spaces that our churches offer lies behind such ventures as the helter-skelter at Norwich Cathedral 
the putting green at Rochester Cathedral, and even our Lego pits at the back of the church. Such ventures help people to cross the threshold, and for some it will be a step in their journey of faith. Even more difficult to overcome than the physical barriers that church buildings present for some people are the obstacles erected through negative experiences and perceptions of church that have come their way in life. Some people have encountered the church firsthand as an institution that is judgmental, legalistic and inflexible. It can seem out of touch with the struggles of ordinary people, more concerned with its own politics and hierarchies of power, and more concerned with whom to exclude than whom to include. Sadly, while such jaundiced views of the church are fueled and promoted by a secular and hostile media, there is more than a grain of truth in some of the criticisms. We must acknowledge and repent of those failings with a determination to follow Christ more closely. The good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom is precisely that, good news for all and especially for those who are outside the church. What we must do is ensure that in what we do and say, in our attitudes and approach to others, and through providing welcome and hospitality, people experience that good news for themselves. As Christians, we must be builders of bridges, not barriers, because then we can help people to answer the question, what is the point of the church, in a positive way, instead of using it as a term of dismissal. As always, when we think about what sort of people we should be as followers of Jesus, both as individuals and as members of the body of Christ, the Church, we must go back to the Gospel stories and to the life and teaching of Jesus. This morning's Gospel, for example, is a simple story, at least on the surface, about the healing by Jesus of a crippled woman at one of the synagogues. What a beautiful thing for Jesus to do. This poor woman, we are told, had a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. Her life in that time and place would have been extremely hard. She caught Jesus' eye, and without hesitation, he called her over and healed her. Understandably, she was overjoyed and immediately gave praise to God. Now, you would think that everyone in the synagogue would have been thrilled to see this broken woman made whole. Not so. Jesus ruffled the feathers of those in authority. The religious institution in the form of the synagogue leader was not happy. What Jesus did was break the rules. Healing was not permitted on the Sabbath, and the synagogue leader backed up his criticism of Jesus by quoting the law at the woman, saying, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath. Notice how it was the woman who came to the synagogue in need of the healing touch of Jesus, who was condemned by the synagogue leader. It is interesting that he did not address Jesus directly. Perhaps he sensed the authority in Jesus. I think there is an important lesson there for us to learn. How many people are there, I wonder, in desperate need of the healing touch of Jesus on their lives, who are put off by church? 
the very community where they should be most likely to encounter his love and mercy, by conventions and rules that are deemed more important than human need. Sometimes institutions, including the Church, can become hidebound, inflexible and unwilling to respond to changes in society. That doesn't mean being swept along by the spirit of the age, far from it. It's more about recognising that traditions exist to help bring people closer to God and to each other, and not for their own sake. They are meant to be life-enhancing, not life-denying. Jesus' response to the outraged synagogue leader, no doubt a devoutly religious man himself, drives home this point. You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? Ought not this woman be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus tells his critics that the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. You see, Jesus' overriding concern was to set people free to be the people God created them to be. The meeting of human need was paramount, and if that meant challenging the hierarchies of religious and political power, as well as breaking the laws which had wrongly become the means of of uh, excluding people, so be it. That, I believe, is the criterion that should be applied to all that the Church does in Christ's name. When we get it wrong, the consequences serve only to reinforce the views of people who say with disdain, what's the point of the Church? Examples, sadly, are not hard to find. Divorcees who have been refused remarriage and communion in church. Suicides refused burial in consecrated ground. Same-sex couples refused the sacrament of marriage. Children barred from receiving communion. The refusal between denominations to share the Eucharist. These are just part of a sad litany of ways in which rules rule and serve only to hide from view the compassion and love of Christ which people so desperately need. But when we get it right, and thank God there is much in the Church that we do get right and which we should rightly celebrate, then is the time when people get absolutely the point of the Church. And we make it in different ways. We make it when the Church is a place where forgiveness and reconciliation are found, and where the poor and weak are served. That is the point of the Church. When the Church challenges the misuse of political power and becomes the voice for the voiceless, that is the point of the Church. When compassion, welcome and hospitality matters more than judgment and condemnation, that is the point of the Church. When we live out the example of Christ by creating opportunities for people outside to come in, even and especially those who are different to us, that is the point of the Church. When human flourishing matters more than religious orthodoxy, that is the point of the Church. So, in all that we do and say as the Church, the body of Christ, 
May we keep to the forefront of our minds all those who are yet to cross the threshold of Christian faith. May we create opportunities for people to discover for themselves the joy of the gospel and not build obstacles. May we be more ready to forgive others than to judge them. And may we be more willing to include people than to exclude them. If we can manage that, the answer to the question, what is the point of the church, will be plain for all to see. Amen.